You're listening to Teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. All right, happy Easter. He is risen. There you go. Hey, uh, kids in the room. I mean, let me do one with you. I'm going to say he is risen. You're going to say he is risen indeed. I'm going to need you to be louder than the grown-ups just were, though. Are you ready? This one's just me and kids. You ready, kids? He is risen. Way better. Way better. <laughs> That's great. He is indeed risen. And uh, for the next few minutes... I want to give you five reasons why you should be very confident that Jesus has in fact risen from the dead, and then three reasons why that should make you very happy. Let's start with the story. This is from John chapter 20. So if you want to read along, we'll read verses 1 through 8, and then we'll skip down and read verses 19 through 20. So John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. If you want to turn there, you can. This is one of the accounts of the morning of Jesus' resurrection. Here's what it says. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And you should know that in John's gospel, this is how he refers to himself. He refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Instead of saying Peter and I, and I'm actually here for it. I like it. So John's referring to himself. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, that's John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. I just... I know, I know this is probably a character defect, but I, I love this. I love the humor in it, that John is telling the most important story in the history of the world, and he has to find a way to slide in there. Peter and I raced. <laughs> I won. <laughs> he reached the tomb first, and Peter, uh, stooping, looked in, And he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Peter came and following him, I'm sorry, I I misspoke. I said that was Peter, but that was John. Then Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, again, just to make sure you remember, (laughs) also went in and he saw and believed. You can skip down to verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad, you could read happy, when they saw the Lord Five reasons you should be confident that Jesus is actually alive, and three reasons that should make you very happy, just like it did them. Number one, there were lots of eyewitnesses. 
There were lots of eyewitnesses who claimed that they encountered Jesus after he died, but that he, in fact, was alive. Now, I should tell you that I've watched a lot of Law and Order, enough to feel that I can confidently speak to the American governmental justice system, the court system. Most trials don't include eyewitness testimony. That's a luxury. If an event has even one credible eyewitness, it's often an open and shut case. You'd want to make sure the eyewitness was credible, didn't stand to gain from testifying. But assuming that checks out, this case is closed. And 1 Corinthians tells us that all the apostles were eyewitnesses, along with hundreds of other people. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writing, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So hundreds of people all said the same thing. They said that they personally saw and interacted with Jesus alive after his death. So the next time you see a commercial for one of the 26 Law & Order shows, I want you to think to yourself, Jesus really is alive. Number two, people lie to make their lives better, not worse. Number two reason why you should be confident that Jesus is in fact alive. People lie to make their lives better, not worse. We don't lie to make our lives worse. Kids, would you ever behave perfectly, but then go tell your mom and dad you had done something horrible, even though you hadn't, because you wanted to get in trouble? <laughs> This is not rhetorical. She has answered correctly. No. Don't even conclude your question, good sir. No, of course not. Absolutely not. We don't lie to get ourselves into trouble. If we lie, it's because we want to get out of trouble. Well, I should tell you that all of the apostles who claimed to be eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection, their lives got worse because of what they said. Every single one of them. They were persecuted, chased from their homes, thrown in jail, tortured. Most of them were actually killed for their claim that Jesus was alive. So the question is, if they were lying, if they made it up, and they didn't actually see Jesus alive after he died, they just lied about it, why would they make up a lie that made their lives worse and eventually got them killed? And the very easy answer is they wouldn't. No one would. People lie to make their lives better, not worse. So parents... Next time your child tries to lie to you to get out of trouble, I want you to think to yourself, Jesus really is alive. <laughs> Number three, James worshiped his brother as God. James worshiped his brother as God. Raise your hand if you have a sibling. You have a brother or a sister or multiple of those. Would you please keep your hand up if you think there's a chance that one of your siblings is sinless God incarnate? We've got one in the back who has an awesome brother or sister, apparently. <laughs> or is a smart aleck. One of those. Here's what James wrote. James was the brother of Jesus. He wrote a book that's in our Bibles. Here's the very beginning of the book that James wrote. James chapter 1, verse 1, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James worshipped his own brother, as a Lord, I could argue he should have been the least likely convert. So next time your sibling does something to bother you, 
I want you to think to yourself, Jesus really is alive. Number four, religious people changed. The fourth reason that you should be confident that Jesus is actually alive is because religious people change. Do religious people like change? No. No, hilariously, no. Famously, no. Do religious people like change when it involves sacred traditions that have been handed down to them? Absolutely not. So Jewish people had gathered for worship for thousands of years on Saturday. That was what was handed down to them. But then suddenly, this group of Jewish people who followed Jesus began to gather for worship on Sunday. Now, they changed the day because Sunday was when Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know if you caught it, but in John's narrative, it says it right there in verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. There is no other explanation for this switch for their worshiping on Saturday to their worshiping on Sunday. And so next time you encounter a religious person who's horrified of change, I want you to think to yourself, Jesus really is alive. And then here's... Number five, fifth reason why you should be confident that Jesus is alive. Large groups are terrible at conspiracies. So I'm going to be honest with you. Government conspiracy theories do not persuade me. And the reason is not because I don't think people are capable of such things in moral meanings. I think certainly people could do all sorts of evil, sneaky things. It's more about competence. You realize how competent... You have to be to pull off some of the huge conspiracy theories that are circulating out there and have throughout history, especially if it's a large group. You need these people to work together seamlessly, flawlessly, with no cracks, with the utmost competence. And when you look at our government, what particularly makes you think that level of competence is actually present? In the same way, there were hundreds of people who claimed to see Jesus alive after his resurrection. There's virtually no chance that they were all able to keep their stories straight while people were dying for it for years and years and years, unless all of these people were simply telling you what happened. Chuck Colson, author, nailed this idea years ago. I love this quote. He says, quote, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. Uh, Kids, you can ask your parents about Watergate, what it was later. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So the next time you see a wild conspiracy theory floating around online, I want you to think to yourself, Jesus really is alive. You should be confident that Jesus is alive. And then here are three reasons why that should make you very happy. If Jesus is alive, then he can forgive us. It should make you happy because if Jesus is alive, he can forgive you. You know how I know that? Because dead people cannot forgive anything. And if you and I pray to a decayed skeleton hidden very well in the Middle East, 
then may God help us all. But we don't pray to a skeleton. We pray to the risen, glorious, reigning son of God who trampled over the enemies of sin and death and hell. And we ask him to forgive us for our part in creating death and hell through our own sins. And he, alive and well, has the power and authority to grant that forgiveness to us. It should make you very happy that Jesus is alive because he can forgive you. Number two, it should make you happy because if Jesus is alive, then he can be with you during hard times. Dead people are notoriously unhelpful during tragedy. Living people are sometimes helpful. (laughs) Living saviors are extremely helpful. And because Jesus is alive, he's accessible to us. His ear is bent to his children. He's promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And we know it's true because the resurrection proved it once and for all. Because Jesus is alive, he can be our ever-present help in times of trouble. And number three, the third reason why you should be happy that Jesus is alive is because if he is alive, then he is the antidote to an existential crisis. Uh, That means you don't know what to do with your life and you're sad about it. See, if death is the end of our consciousness and this magical place called earth really is just a giant cosmic accident of absurd happenstance, then honestly, I don't know how we don't end up in a place where we wonder why anything matters because ultimately, what's the point? Who cares? What What I do with my days on earth don't matter if my very existence doesn't matter. But Jesus stepping out of the tomb changes all of that because it means tombs will not be tombs forever for those in Christ. Graves will not be graves forever. They get turned into gardens. Death itself will one day die. And God's going to do what he promised and restore the earth to its created glory. Heaven will, in fact, one day come to earth. And in the meantime, we get to join with God to make earth a little more like heaven each and every day. That's a purpose that absolutely nothing can take away from you. So Easter morning is a celebration of nothing short of world-bending, life-altering news. And it's true. And it has implications for every waking breath we take, every day we live, every conversation we have, every thought In our mind, all of it is met with the reality that Jesus' breath returned to his lifeless body early on that first day of the week, and that should make you very happy. So today, we have the privilege of not just celebrating all this together, but also we get to hear some stories of people who have recently discovered this for themselves. So let's check those out.